Welcome to a new episode of Sawdust Nation, episode 14, with AJ from Crafted in NJ, and myself, Josh, from North Country Woodworking. Hey man, you've had a busy week this week. If you've been keeping up with him, you know for a fact this man has been nonstop and going. Yeah. So man, tell us about it. What's going on in your workshop? What's going on in your life? Well, I mean... You definitely know that I'm a busy guy lately. Last week, um, I only had a three-day work week, which was nice. Um, so I worked you know, Monday to Wednesday, and then Thursday and Friday I was off for a certain special reason. Um, Thursday I took off because we had to do a lot of running around in preparation for the wedding on Friday. And, um, and then that was the magical day, Friday, of me marrying Kim, and it was... A gorgeous day outside. We did it in the backyard of my father's brand new house. And, um, or he just bought the house right down the street from me. So it was a nice, you know, minute drive to his house. And um, I think it was like around 4.30, we tied the knot. And man, I can't, I can't tell you how unbelievably happy I am, um, you know, to marry somebody like her. I mean, she supports everything I do in the wood shop. She supports my tool buying habit um, or addiction, whatever you want to call it. Addiction for sure. <laughs> Definitely. She's always pushing me to go buy something that I keep eyeing up uh, that's going to make my life easier. So um, she's a huge supporter of both, not just Crafted It. Uh, she's a huge supporter of this podcast. Uh, she listens to it all the time. Every time we're in the shop, she's like, you got to throw on the new episode, you know, if she hasn't heard it. Because she hears me talking, you know, when she's home. And uh, she goes, it sounds good, you know, can't wait to hear it. So anyway... It, it it was a really, really good wedding, um, really intimate. It was just family. So there was only eight of us, including Kim and myself. Um, all the signs I did on the CNC, they looked gorgeous. The photographer took some amazing pictures. Um, the ring box was a huge hit with, you know, the whole family. My mom came up from Florida. So um, she just sees a lot of stuff in pictures or videos that we send her. Um, and, you know, to show her what I do was actually really, really cool. And actually I got to show my stepfather, you know, work on the CNC. I showed him, uh, you know, how it carves, how to set it up. He was fascinated by it. It was a really fun time. Um, I wasn't stressing out about the wedding. I was just going kind of, it was a chill day. It really was. I, I think I got home like around 12 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, from running around. I slept for a couple hours and then headed over to my father's and waited for all the festivities to happen. But that was definitely, you know, a highlight of last week. Um, and then Saturday I got back in the shop, which felt amazing. I started on some flags that I needed to get done. I'm a little far behind because of all the wedding prep. It was, since it was a small wedding, there wasn't a ton to do, but there was a ton to do. Yeah, you were busy. I mean, like you were making signs, you were pouring epoxy. I mean, you might think that you weren't doing a lot. From outside perspective, you I mean, you did quite a bit in preparation for this thing. Let me tell you. The one biggest factor to it is I procrastinated and I kept on saying, I want to make the signs so they're done. I want to do them. I want to do them. I want to do them. And what happens? You know, something else comes up and you don't get to it. And, you know, it's it's easy to say because like I, it's the CNC. All I got to do is program it, build it and send it. And literally I can walk away from it. But I need. I still needed to get other stuff done, and my brain went. Let me be active instead of sitting in front of the computer, you know, designing the sign. And it didn't take long, but you know, I just didn't want to do it at that moment in time. And then crunch time came, and we needed to get them done. Um, everything came out beautifully. 
Um, we're going to actually hang the signs in our house, you know, display them because a lot of them, uh, we got the Camarado sign. So that one we're going to actually going to hang up, you know, front and center. And then the other ones we're actually going to place around where we're going to hang our wedding photos on, on, uh, in the hallway. So it's actually going to work out really nice. Um, but yeah, so that's the, the wedding. And, um, but besides that, I got a lot going on in the shop. I got a lot of orders for flags, both wavy and flat. Um, I'm, they're coming out of the woodworks and it's, it's kind of nice. Um, no point intended. Yeah. I didn't even think about it when I said it. I just, I saw you smirk and I'm like, Oh, I said woodworks. <laughs> but you said wood. I don't know. Wood shop podcast. Yes. Yes. Call saw destination. Yeah. Oh, geez. What am I doing? Um, so anyway, the, where am I? <laughs> So I got seven flags going on uh, roughly. I still have the tools today flag that I um, have to start this weekend. I actually want to get the piece cut, get it flat, and then maybe be able to start the rough carve out, you know, so I can at least get something done because I don't want to leave them, you know, till last minute. And then they're kind of questioning on why haven't you done anything? I did tell them that I was getting married. So they understood that, Um, you know, really, I just want to get it started for my own sake as well. But um, the some of the flags that I'm doing are wavy. And as everyone knows, I use, or if you follow along, you, you've seen I use a cutsaw disc. And I've been using mm-hmm. a fine, I believe, the fine original. And it works, but with pine, it clogs up because it's really fine. I mean, it's not really like aggressive. It does do its job, but I do know that I have to put a lot more work into it to get the waves kind of deep. And by the time I get like about half the thickness that I want, it's my arms are killing me. My wrists are killing me. So what I did was I just picked up a very coarse disc from cuts all. And let me tell you, it cuts amazingly well. Um, it, it's not coarse to the point where it's ripping the pine since it's so soft. It actually just removes a lot more material in a smoother way and a turbo plane because I have used turbo planes and let me tell you they tear at pine I mean you'd swear a bear like attacked it and somehow <laughs> made this thing but I had a lot more uh, back end work so after I used the turbo plane I know I had to sand a lot more this one I, I used only two discs I used the cuts all very coarse and then my uh, benchmark abrasives um, flap disc and they're pretty smooth as we speak But I still have to go over with the RO sander, get the waves all smooth. But if you notice from my stories, those waves are deep this time on all of them. And that's the effect that I wanted because I I didn't want these like mediocre waves. I wanted something to give it character. And um, they really came out. Even Kim was like, wow, you really, you know, you did completely different than any of your other ones. So I'm happy about that. Um, I got a desk build coming up. That's a kind of a secret. Um, so that one, you know, I could talk about it on here, but it's going to be out of a live edge. I'm not sure what kind of wood it is. I think it's white oak and I have ooh, mulberry as the shelves that I'm going to do on top of this desk. Hmm, okay. So um, on top of that, we've been talking about the legs for this desk and I'm going to plan them out eventually. And, but I'm thinking I'm either going to do cherry or spalted maple. I'm not sure yet because I'm getting a lot of it from a local guy. 
Um, so it, it's kind of like, do I want to go cherry or do I want more character? I mean, the desk is going to have a ton of character as is because it's going to be a live edge. Um, we've been talking about the legs for a while uh-huh. and not to interrupt you, which I just did. It's okay. You're planning. Are you going to draw it out or are you going to actually use a software? I know we talked about this previously, but I'm curious of where you've landed on this. All right. So there's actually, I don't have his name in front of me. Um, but he actually built these table legs for this massive table and it's almost to the to the way I want to do them. They're an X you know, an X brace um with the top and bottom, but he mortised the X into the top and bottom. So I ran some ideas by him, you know, asked him how he did it so I can gather more ideas. I'm not going to use a software. I'm going to draw this probably as best as I can on a piece of paper just so I have some ideas because I have the ideas in my head right now, but I want them on paper, so I can show you because you know you keep asking me for drawings and whatnot. But I will do through dowels uh, uh, through the center of the X, and then I'm going to try. I've never done mortise and tenon, but I'm going to try doing mortises for the X into the top and bottom rails, if you want to call it that. Nice. And yeah. um, you know, I'm probably going to need a hand with it. You know, because I, I, like I said, I have no idea what I'm doing. But I think right now my biggest thing is get it on paper and then figure out what kind of wood I want to use because I I would love to use this bolt of maple because it looks gorgeous, but I don't know if I want so much contrast. That's what I was thinking too. It's like the the woods that yeah, the woods, the species that you've mentioned so far, they're great. I mean like but they have a lot of character mm-hmm. individually. I personally if I was designing this, I would stick to at least two. I wouldn't go more than three because Okay, cherry has a nice, like, warm orange to it, right? Mm-hmm. I think you said maple for the top? No, top oh, is oh, white, white oak. oak. You got that white oak, and then you go into the mulberry on the, on the, uh, for the shelves. Yep. That's, it's a lot of pieces going in different directions. I mean, you have, you know, different colors, you have different grains. I would personally stick to a max two or just one. You want it to be a centerpiece in their house or wherever mm-hmm. they put this desk. And basically with that, you want people's eyes to flow over the piece. You don't want it to be like a Jason Pollock uh, piece where it's just like everything's scattered and their eyes are going everywhere. Planning that out is part of that planning process too. You can add details like if you want to do, I don't know, um, cherry for the legs, the white oak, and then maybe... uh the white oak for the shelves, but then add elements of the cherry on with the shelves too, somehow. That way it kind of like combines in its very um, lack of words here. Um, <laughs> You'll get it. I know. I know. Eventually. You <laughs> um, it, it basically, it would be pleasing to the eye because yep. you're not jumping all around. You have elements of the two species together. I don't know. I, 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 if I, you're going to design a. F- Sorry, go ahead. I, I really like I, – I really, truly, 100% understand where you're coming from. There's there's a couple factors that um, kind of went into this. And the reason that I chose the mulberry as the shelves and the white oak as the desktop is the white oak is the perfect size once I trim the back of it. The mulberry okay. is actually curved. So it's going to be like once you're sitting oh, at yeah. the desk – it's almost yeah, yeah. like that, not that they're going to curve around you, but it gives it this effect that they're maybe a little bit bigger than what they are. 
because they have a slight curve to it. So it'll it'll give it almost like this hugging feel, if that makes any sense. I mean, because the desk is going to be huge. It's going to be, I think, 30 inches deep at the at the furthest. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, and then you're going to have these shelves in front of it. And to top this all off, the person that is, is um, going to receive this is kind of quirky in their own way. So the contrast of um, different wood species, I think, would fit their personality. So okay. now you're 100% right. If I was building this as a centerpiece for like a, a dining room table, that would be way too much contrast because you, your eyes would literally hurt after looking at it. Well, yeah, and, and I'm going off from like how I design stuff too. You know your client mm-hmm. better than I know your client. So, I mean, if it works for them, awesome. This would be a chance to work with like multiple different species, get to, you know, experience that. You're going to try a whole bunch of new stuff, which is awesome. This is going in their their home. Mm-hmm. I mean, like always be there. You can always take a look. You can post about it. It's going to give you a lot of, um, man, I can't, I can't remember anything tonight. We're keeping um, this in a there. Lot of, Oh, probably. Yep. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's going to give you a lot of content. That's the word I'm looking for. Because, you know, words are hard. Yes. But uh, I'm really looking forward to this because this is the biggest build, as far as I know, that you've done, right? Uh, this is going to be the biggest build to date because I have to now take all the slabs, flatten all of them, um, which is going to be a trip in itself. I have to learn how to do mortise and tenon. Um, and it's going to be it's going to be a lot. But... One thing I forgot to add was I'm also going back to actually I got his business card right here, but the gentleman I'm going back to to pick up the spalted maple and the cherry is also selling me ash. And I was also thinking to use ash as the legs because then it's not so like because the spalted maple has a lot of character to it. Cherry yes. does give that warm vibe off. And the thing is, I don't know how this top is going to look once it's surfaced because it's all, you know, grimy right now. So I'm really curious. The white oak is going to be lighter in color. So I'm thinking the ash might be a better uh, wood to use because then it won't take your eyes away from the top and it won't take your eyes away from that gorgeous mulberry. Have you ever seen mulberry? Yeah, I think I have some in the shop right now. It's like a, a like a goldish shimmer to it. Yeah, I haven't cleaned it up, so I, I can't really, you know, talk to that. Mm-hmm. What I have is, I believe it, I, I would have to actually take a look and see what I have because I thought I picked some up, but I'm not quite sure. What I was going to say is for the legs, why don't you incorporate the ash in there? But then incorporate another species. So a multi-species leg. So you have almost like a – or even the mm. white oak. So you have a tie-in to the top. I don't have any white oak uh, rough sawn. I just have the white oak um, single slab. But you're cutting off a piece in the back and that might just give you enough material. It's going to be uh, like – So like a half inch or so? Yeah, it's not going to be much. I'm literally just fl- flush trimming the back. So I'm going to have pretty much bark and maybe maybe an inch. What I can do is I can always get – because I do want to do through dowels on the X pieces. So I, I can add a – if I do ash, I can always add a peg of some other species. Like I said, I know the personality of the, you know, the, the person I'm building this for. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it it's – if it was just a like everything was the same, 
I know that they would love it, but I know that it wouldn't be their personality. And this is not front and center. It's kind of, this will be hidden from whoever is in there, in their house. Um, but I, I know that the, I know the way that I chose it is, is good for who it's going for. Um, but I do like your idea of almost symmetry. You don't want to be all over yeah, the place. That this is my, you know, my issue is, I, I like a very clean look mm-hmm. when it comes to like when I design furniture and I'm not trying to redesign your furniture, but uh, no, I know it's, it's really hard yeah. for me to, to like visualize this and be like, Oh, Oh my God. Like I, I, I need to make it, you know, in some way flow better. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, all my, you know, woodworking furniture pieces flow or like are symmetric or mm-hmm. any way, but I like to believe they are. <laughs> no. You're you're 100% correct. And it, like I said, if this was dead front and center, I would never have chosen what I chose. Um, but I, I I liked it. I didn't really actually when – when I went to go – and actually the gentleman's name is Bob. He's from Cascade Creations, and he's right in Warwick, New York, so it's local to me. And uh, he sells all kiln-dried, rough-sawn lumber, and then also slabs. He saws them. He's planning on getting a kiln in his backyard because he's got a lot of room on his property. Um, You should, uh, he's got a, he's got probably my lot times a hundred. He's got a lot of property. So he's got a lot of slabs and he was, um, he was, he messaged me the other day and said, Hey, you know, I want to get some slabs out. So, you know, if you're interested, come by and see what what I got. And then I kind of didn't go, I, when I go to a lumber yard of any sort, my brain just goes, buy one of everything, you'll be good, and then you have wood. <laughs> so I pretty much went – Kim and I were there, and I said, okay, which slab? She said, this one because of the way it looked. And then I said, what about the shelves? She saw the mulberry. I completely agreed because of the curvature of it. So that's why we picked that. If they had white oak that was curved like that, I would have stuck with all the same species because I like symmetry. Um I don't like the, not that I don't, but the quirky, you know, differences isn't me, but I think this is going to work. And also I forgot to add, it's also going to have black pipe <laughs> to hold up the shelves. So I got a lot of, a lot of stuff going on this one. Hey man, I, you know, I trust you. Like I said, you know, your client better than I do. It's just, uh, it's hard for me to process. I'm not going to lie. I'm also using a lot of pine. I'm going to use pine dowels in everything. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. D- did I mention that the, the slab is made out of balsa wood? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> we could do this again. I'll, I'll make you a desk with balsa wood in it. <laughs> no, no, I'm okay. Anyway, enough about that desk because now my brain hurts from thinking about it. Uh, we're fried. End, end the episode. Yeah, jeez. Oh, <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us. Um, last two things, um, and then I'll stop ranting so Josh can rant about his shop. Um, my father just picked up a new 3D printer, and it is the help me here, Snapmaker. I think he got Three, the two five zero or the two five zero. I oof, is that the bed size? No, that's the model. So there's, I think it's an mm-hmm. Alpha two fifty and an Alpha three fifty. I I don't know if the A's in there or not, but. The 350 is like the newest top of the line model. The 250 is like the in between. Hmm. I think it, 
it was whatever was on Kickstarter. And I believe that was only called the 2.0. Um, I'm looking at it now. It is. Yeah. It's the Snapmaker 2.0 modular three and one. Um, it's built well. I mean, it's built better than my CNC is. And it's man, it's cool watching it move. Um, it, it's very robust looking, but anyway, he has it on his shop bench and, um, I got to build him a cart for that, you know, just out of standard old, um, two by fours. I'm going to, so I'm going to go dig out the rustic two by fours and go find a new home for him. Um, but yeah, I got to build a small cart for him for that. And then I finally got my bandsaw up and running and actually cutting. And my issue was the blade. That blade was on mm. there tensioned when, when I picked it up, it was tensioned. So no kidding in transit. And it, well, no, he he had a tension and he admitted he goes, oh, I didn't realize I left tension on this. And it's been a while. I'm thinking that the blade just got out, you know, really wonky because I could mm-hmm. not get an I have what what is that thing called that uh, I can't even remember. Easy tension. Yes, it's an easy tension gauge for the bandsaw blade. I could not get that thing to pop on that five eighths blade that was original to that bandsaw. Until I put a half inch blade on it that's brand new, I tensioned it with the easy tension, thing popped instantly. I truly believe that that blade was so stretched out that I just had no more adjustment on that uh, wheel. So um, let me tell you, it hmm. cuts it cuts like a dream. I, I'm so I'm so happy with that bandsaw. Yeah, man, they're they're amazing bandsaws. Like I have no regrets whatsoever getting mine. Like every time I get on there. It's almost instantaneous where I get to cut and do something. It it cuts straight. I can make almost veneer well veneer level yeah. material. I've shown you where it's basically paper thin. I can almost shine a light through it. Uh, when you resaw, what size, what thickness, uh, or what width blade are you using? Three quarter. Three quarter. Three TPI. I've I've never seen a three quarter blade in person until it showed up at my house, and I, I pulled it out of the box. I was like. Did I buy like a sawmill blade? I don't even – is this thing even go on that? I mean I'm so used to the little Wen bandsaw and I think the biggest one I put on there was a 3-8 blade. So I mean – You know, that that to me was like, oof, we're, we're pushing the, the water, you know, the limits over here on this bandsaw. I'm like I'm resawing like a king over here until I see a three-quarter blade and I'm like, wow, it's – it's massive. I have not yeah. put it on yet, though. I was just going to ask, yeah. And when you start resawing with that, it eats through the material. Like, it, I barely have to push it, you know, yep. barely pushing it through. Smooth. And, like, the parts I cut, it, I mean, like, there's a little bit of chatter there, but not much at all. But, uh, yeah, man, like, it, it's a world difference. <laughs> real quick real quick on that bandsaw blade. I put that new – I. What size is that? I bought a half inch blade for it because they didn't have a five yeah. eighths. Um, and I bought, I believe, an Olsen from uh, Amazon. That's what they had at the time. Timberwolf was going to be way delayed, so I couldn't go that route. Um, so I bought these Olsons. A lot of people liked them. I said, "What's the worst that's going to happen? Let me try it out." It really it cuts extremely well, tracked extremely well. I set it up, you know, the way that uh, Alex Snodgrass tells you to set the uh, blades up on your wheel. And it's cut true and straight. When I first turned it on with a brand new blade, I was so afraid that it was going to pop off. 
and make this loud bang, I literally hit the on button and ran. <laughs> so, <laughs> you should have. That's I, when you should have made a story, man. You, that should have been a story, dude. I I I hit that on button and like I prepared myself for the worst. I'm thinking I'm gonna hear this loud bang. The the bandsaw blade's gonna come flying out. It's gonna go through the window. I overreact on certain things because it's new to me and it's it's big. I've dealing with I used to deal with a 70 70 inch blade. Now I'm dealing with a 111 inch blade. I mean, that's a that's a big blade for me. Yes it is. So but anyway, enough of me ranting because I love doing that now. But I had a lot going on in the shop. So now I'm going to throw it over to you, Sir Josh. What are you working on? I still don't know. I don't know where I am right now. Oh, um, my God. No. We, we had a lot of time to prep for this. <laughs> I mean, he wrote some stuff down. I think he wanted to talk about, like, 3D printing. I don't know. Wait, I have a 3D printer? What did I? Ah, uh, wait. If you do follow me on Instagram, you'd know I've been 3D printing. But I did get a little shop time, and I went out, and I started taking one of my slabs, uh, ash slab, and basically milling it up, getting it ready to be cut into a – you good? Yeah, I'm just scratching my ear. Uh, okay, well, you're making you're making signs over there. I got to make sure that you're good. Um, <laughs> but no, I took a slab. You know, I'm trying to mill it up to basically get ready for me to glue it together and make a 30 inch uh, circular uh, serving board. Um, so you know, I got to a point where I'm close to getting that done. I have to resaw it and then have that glued up. But other than that, I uh, took some of the bottle openers that I put together quite a while ago, and filled where the magnets go with some epoxy. And I also did a laser engraving on one of my old cutting boards that I'm giving to my mother-in-law of the Tree of Life. And when I did it, I, I went over it a couple of times, and it's deep enough where I didn't like it as a cutting board surface because there's something to catch and get in there, and I wanted it to be easy to clean. So, I you know, I used some total epoxy. I threw it on top. And I'm letting that dry. So I got to play with some epoxy. I got to do some little bit of woodworking out there. Um, but the majority of the stuff I've been doing has been with a 3D printer. Because A, it's inside. I could basically mess around with it. You know, leave. And same thing with my laser. But uh, th this is just easier for me to, you know, continue doing some content and practice with and get used to. So with my 3D printing... I've actually done a couple things that uh, I'm kind of proud of. Um, I've done some decor pieces. Um, you can see those in my story. It's the fire, earth, uh, wind, water, like little raindrop things. I mm -hmm. uh, plan on taking those, painting those up, putting them into a frame with a wood background and seeing if that, you know, sells for anything. And then also I took a picture and I turned it into a 3D piece. So I did the tree of life that I did on the cutting board for the laser engraving. And then I went and used some programs and created a 3D piece I could 3D print. That, you know, taught me some skills that will help me, you know, produce things uh, later on. I also did some shop jigs so I can hang up my sander better. I right now have it on a French cleat and basically a flat surface. But uh, AJ's kind of, he forgot to talk about his French cleat wall. <laughs> And I just reminded him. Um, but we, we can circle back to that in a second. But basically, you know, I attach it to a French cleat and then it hangs vertically. That's going to be much easier. I can just take it off and on 
and it fits perfectly. I also did um, some zero clearance inserts for my bandsaw and my meter saw. I haven't tried the meter saw yet, but the bandsaw work or looks like it works perfectly. I haven't turned it on and see how that is going to uh, respond to the new insert, but. Um, I think it's going to, it looks good. It fits good. It's snug. Um, I might have to drill a hole and then put um, a little adjuster in there just so I can level it to the actual surface of the table better. But I mean, like if that's the minimum, hey, I'm good with that. Oh, yeah. It's easy printed like in 30 minutes or less. USO stopped by the house and talked to me a little about their project. If you remember, I'm supposed to build some stations for their computers that hang on the wall. And just some logistics with that and how that's going to go. I got the coffee table I'll eventually get to once I'm back in the shop like I was. And then, you know, some house things. I've been doing a lot of little things around the house since I'm inside. And since I have to be around a little bit more to help out, especially with a new jelly bean. So, you know, I painted her room. We're painting that all one of the walls yellow. So me and my son, we were up there painting away. And uh, we have a couple more coats on that and then letting it dry. And then probably using the Cricut to make some decals for a room. Nice. But, uh, yeah, it's it's been a busy couple weeks, busy week. But, uh, you know, I'm getting some stuff done. You know, I'm trying to, you know, make some content, still kind of do some stuff. And with the 3D printer, it's very easy to do. And I've learned a whole lot in a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. So... I did have a little bit of a problem with one of my prints. If you uh, follow me, I did a submarine print not too long ago. And one of the pieces was so adhered to the bed, I had to use pliers to pull it off. And it actually took a little piece of the bed with it. I'm not quite sure why that happened, other than maybe I had my nozzle too close in that sector. And that might be the cause. But man, I, I let the bed cool overnight. And wow. it still required that much torque to get it off. Wow. So, I mean, yeah, a lot of 3D printing, a lot more than I like to do on my page. But like I said, I am still trying to do stuff while, you know, maintaining the presence in the house to help out. So, you know, I'll eventually get back out there and finish off some of these projects and get them pumped out. But, uh, you know, right now I'm focusing on the family and uh, some of the little things I could do on the side. Now, because I'm I'm gearing up for this holiday season, you said bottle openers. I see a lot of guys doing them. Um, I want to do some things like we talked about last uh, week's episode about, you know, batching out some cutting boards. Um, I want to mm-hmm. do, I got a lot of wood, um, uh, hardwood kiln dried pieces that I bought from a, a local guy actually out in Pennsylvania. Um, and I have them just sitting in the shop and I kept on thinking I can use them because what I could do is I'll flatten them, uh, rip them down, you know, into usable pieces, make cutting boards or whatnot. I was, I just picked up some charcuterie templates from Tyler over at HGCAZ on Instagram. Um, yeah, I saw that you got those. They're, they're really nice cause they're acrylic and the nice part about it, which he does them two ways. I think out of wood, don't quote me on that. And then the acrylic. And the reason that I picked acrylic over the other ones is so that you can actually see. He posted up a video in showing that you can see where the knots are. You could see where the imperfections are. So you don't have to keep, you know, like lifting it up, tracing it out, erasing it. You can literally place it down, see what obstructions might be in your way. 
and then move it as you need to. So that's why I chose the acrylics. And they weren't too far off in price. So I was going, if I can choose something of a higher quality and easier use, let me use that. So anyway, um, I'm not going to have any fancy dancy charcuterie boards with, you know, designs in them or anything like that. It looks like they're just going to be hardwood, which will be fine. And I could sell them for cheap. Um, They won't be too, too hard to make. But I got actually a couple questions for you. You made a charcuterie okay. board? Yeah. How how thick would too thick be for a charcuterie board? So thickness, really it's up to you, man. Um, I've seen people use inch. I've seen people use three quarters. I've seen people use half. Honestly, I, I would say no more than a half inch because it's not a cutting board, mm-hmm. okay? It's something that you want – People are going to want to put stuff on and mm-hmm. lift up and move around. You want something hardy enough, but something that's lightweight enough to use. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I guess my three-quarter blade is going to be coming into call soon, you know, to the call of action because these hardwood pieces are, I think, like an inch plus right now. So, yeah, I would I would go ahead and do the half inch and mm-hmm. then the milling process and yep. the sanding and all that. Wherever thickness that ends up to be, it should be more than enough for what you're looking at. Because I'm looking at the piece and I laid the template on it. I'm like, oh, this is great. And then I'm looking at how thick it is. And I still have to join it. I still have to plane it. So it's going to come down in thickness, but maybe the three quarter. So even if I split that in half, then technically I can get two. And then out of one piece. So it, I'm I'm really excited to do those. Um, my biggest thing, you were talking about the... Um, Bottle openers. What magnets are you using? Because clearly, if you remember last week's episode of my buying mistake <laughs> on Amazon with magnets, I don't choose the right size magnet. Um, you know, my real reason I'm asking is I want something strong enough to catch it, you know, catch the the lid, um, but not yeah. big, like, you know, this huge thing and not too, too small. Um, well, to, it's kind of funny you brought this up because I actually got asked the same question by Little Bear Woodshop, and I just answered him before we got on. But I went on Amazon, you know, the place you get everything, and I got the Rare Earth Magnets. They're set at 12 for like, I don't know, 15 bucks, probably overpaying there, but they are... <laughs> okay, so two millimeters, 32 millimeters long and about three millimeters thick. Okay. And these things are strong. Like, I put... I probably overkilled here again, but I put two in the board I have. And no matter where that bottle cap goes, (laughs) it's going to one of those magnets. Um, And I also... Um, Did you put them on top of each other or like... um, Side to side. Oh, wow. Okay. Sorry. Because what I wanted was to cover the most area. So I put them side to side. I also went down to the most thickness I could Mm -hmm. with my foster bit. Before the actual spike would poke through the top. Okay. So I did a little bit of math and that's how I did it. And I can literally stick the boards together. That's how strong they are with the way I have set up. Like I could take the board right now and stick it to my refrigerator, the front end. <laughs> oh, Jesus. That's hysterical. And Man, I, I wanted it to work. It's my first set and I want them to be like, you know, they're easy to knock out. Yeah. You know, I, I threw some maple in there and I threw some uh, Paduke and Purple Heart stripe in there. You know, in the back, I was going to use a dowel, wooden dowel to, you know, fill the little hole that I made for the magnet. 
But then I was thinking, like, I have to order that. I have some epoxy. You know, this I could take that much. Mm-hmm. I threw some epoxy in there with a dark color and then a copper color and a couple of them. And it's done. I don't have to go ahead and look for something that, you know, and wait for it to come in, cut it. If I had it in hand, I would have used that. But I had epoxy sitting right there. I was already going to do a epoxy project for the uh, cutting board that I was working on. Just made sense to me. Okay. Now, did yours also have the magnets have like a adhesive on the back? Um, they come with like a 3M circular. Um, oh, oh, I'm seeing it in the picture. They're not strip. attached to it already. They come separate. Yeah. Okay. But what I did is I glued them in with uh, type on uh, thick. Mm-hmm. Was it thick? Quick, quick and thick. Quick and thick. I let that sit, and in fact, they're so strong that I had to make sure. They weren't polar opposites in each one because they were pushing each other apart oh. in the little cubby. These these magnets are they're they're really really strong. Do not pinch your finger in them and do not go through or near metal with them because honestly they're they're incredibly strong. Wow, they're rare earth magnets. So if you ever dealt with them, you kind of know what I'm talking about. But nope. Yeah, man. <laughs> like these things, oh, I I almost want to go show you because they're this strong. But uh, it's. It's impressive how strong these things are. Yeah, I, I've he- I've heard of you know if you let them slap like if you if you had them away and they slap together they could shatter. Oh, absolutely could. In fact, um, I would not suggest doing that, especially without any kind of glasses or anything on, wow. because they're inset in metal. Okay, or not metal, inset in wood. Okay, and there's probably maybe I don't know. I, I, I don't remember the thickness I have in wood in there, mm-hmm. but it's it, I could throw a bottle cap <laughs> at this and it was stick. <laughs> well, I'm definitely uh, interested in picking them up. And for the bottle opener, same thing, just Amazon? Yeah, I went on there, found some. Uh, I think it was like a 24-pack. I don't remember the price. Mm-hmm. And then picked those up, and they come with the screws and everything else you need. First thing I did is throw one on the bench. Yeah. <laughs> And then um, I actually used those same ones for my um, cornhole boards. I put one on each set. That way, you know, they're using them. It's one right there. It's a little extra detail. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's just some ideas, you know, that I definitely want to do because why not? Because, you know, then I can get my, you know, sell something cheaper than the flags. Sell something that's good for holidays. Um, Everybody's doing them, but maybe you could put your own spin on them and have them, you know, a little bit different. Um, so that's why I'm excited to do these. And I just added the magnets to my cart and I'll be adding some bottle openers. So I'll get those started at some point. Yeah. I'll send you the links that I have and if you like them, go ahead and get them. Yeah. Cool. 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 Let's go, uh, make a right turn and talk about your French cleat wall. Cause I know you want to talk about that thing. <laughs> you know, I, I, I love talking apparently, and I completely forgot to talk about the French cleat wall. Um, if you followed along on the stories, you'd understand or not understand. You'd see that I've been talking about doing a French cleat wall for quite some time now. Uh, I had the plywood ripped down to a six foot wide by, I believe, three foot tall uh, piece. And that would fit in between my dust collector and some wiring that I have. And it would be right above a bench that my father and I built when I first moved in. It's kind of like a do-it-all bench. You know, you can get it dirty. It doesn't matter. It's not flat, flat. So I don't I don't build anything on there. Um, but I wanted the French cleat wall to keep myself more organized. And one day I walked into the shop and said, I just need to start it. Because if I don't, and the biggest factor that pushed me to do it is I had a four-by-eight sheet of plywood that I must have moved hands down 
50 times in a week's time because it was sitting against one bench while I needed to get there. So I'd move it to the other bench. (laughs) I need to get to that bench. So I move it back. It was this back and forth with this four by eight sheet of plywood and it was driving me nuts. So finally I just said, screw it. I got to mount this, you know, the, the cleat backing. And the reason that I did a backer to it is because I have concrete walls. So I wanted the backer. So I have at least a a piece of wood to screw to so it's uh, even. So I don't have to worry about, you know, the mortar joints or anything like that interfering with my French cleat. And let me tell you, it opened up the shop as soon as I took down the shelf that was there. It was one of those wire shelves from uh, Home Depot. Um, Worked great for what I needed it for, but now I needed to expand. And let me tell you, it opened up. And even though the shelf was only like 12 inches deep and six foot wide and above your head, it still made the shop look that much bigger once I removed it. Um, I got a few things mounted on the French cleat and I'm excited to get more mounted. Um, I was looking today at work at some YouTube videos and I stumbled upon a guy, um, specific love creations on YouTube. He's also on Instagram under the same name. Um, check him out if you're interested in a French cleat. Well, I must've went through, I think four videos so far and he still has more on French cleat tool holders, um, you know, pen holders, this holder, that holder. I mean, everything you can think of, he has a holder for. And one thing that he did, and you might actually like this too, is he built a small box, painted it red, and put a fire extinguisher in there and kept it on his French cleat. So it's a red box, so you can't miss it. Hmm. I And I, I don't have a fire extinguisher downstairs, you know. God, God forbid. I do. I have one right in the kitchen. So, like, worst case scenario, pop out of the garage, mm-hmm. three steps into the kitchen. But uh, that's a good idea. If I had a bigger shop and it was, you know, detached or something, I would definitely have something close at hand. Uh, I'm definitely going to – even though I got one, yeah, I just thought of it. I have one in the back room, which is only a few steps away. But I'm thinking I might just do a small little one and – Put it on the French cleat wall in a red box so you can see it. You know, it's not a box where you got to open a lid. It's accessible, but he painted it red so it stands out. And he actually took a video of it a little further back. And the first thing your, first thing your eyes got drawn to was that fire extinguisher. And I was like, at least it's a safety thing. Um, I am burning wood in there um, because, you know, the flags, um, whatever designs I do and I want to burn. So I'm flames are usually in my in my shop. So I just want to make sure that I'm all good. Um, so, yeah, that's enough about my French cleat. So it just, you know, if follow along, you'll definitely see more uh, progress coming this weekend with that French cleat wall. And are you ready, Josh? Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. Are you ready to get jiggy with it? I'm ready. Yeah, that is definitely not the song. But uh, without getting, you know, permissions and all that. We just we just don't want to deal with that nonsense. But uh, yeah, we're gonna get jiggy with AJ. So we're gonna talk some jigs, and he's dying laughing. So I'm gonna continue here. You know what jigs do you have in your shop? What jigs do you want to make? What jigs you know make your life easy? You know what jigs make you get jiggy with it? So myself, I have a couple jigs. Um, I have the crosscut sled, which is I almost want to say the first jig that I produced in my shop. The second one is the joiner jig, and I've actually made two of those. The uh, first one I made was, you know, pretty straightforward, something you see pretty much in almost every shop. And then I threw that away, 
and I started using the MicroJig MatchFit system with our dovetail clamps and, um, yeah, the dovetail clamps. So with that, I have the joiner jig, but it also could be used as a taper jig and a bunch of other, you know, I can make jigs to go on that jig and just get really jiggy with it. But uh, yeah, that opened up an entire system for me in my shop. Using the micro jig match fit system, I've made an entire bench, which I hopefully you guys have seen already. I've also made my drill press table, um, the match fit system. I've made my cross cut sled at least one uh, slot in there for their dovetail clamps. It's kind of all over my shop and pretty much in every jig I have because it's so versatile. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if we're going to talk jigs, I have to talk about micro jig because without their system, I would have to create so many different fences and a jig for this and a jig for that. And with that, honestly, I could take a piece of plywood, put a runner on it, put their uh, tracks in there, dovetail tracks in there, and now that one piece of plywood could turn into meter jig. It could turn into a, you know, just a regular straight cut jig. Mm-hmm. It could turn into a taper jig. Hold down you clamps. Do any, yeah, hold down cl- everything. Man, I'm telling you, like, I talked them up a lot because I truly love the system and it's ingenious. Mm-hmm. The way you can take it and utilize it in the shop. I don't have a big shop. You don't have a big shop. So I can't make 50 jigs and store them on a shelf and call it a day. This allows me to take, you know, one or two jigs and turn them into that 50 jigs just by, you know, making a fence or yep. what have you. So that's kind of my rant on micro jig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it looks like you have a question. You're not raising your hand, so I can't tell. Okay, there you go. What's your question? Because I'm interested in the match fit system, but I was just thinking of it when you were talking about, you know, um, all of it. And I'm still in the process of building my miter saw cart that the wings are sitting on the floor right now. But once I do install them, the top is actually made out of MDF. I chose MDF because I did it by the plans um, that I found online. And my question is, can you use the match fit in MDF and will it hold up? I seen, uh, let me, let me take my Jersey out of it. I saw another maker do it in MDF and it didn't work out the way that they wanted it to, because I believe that it might've broken through because it didn't have the rigidity, not that it broke through, but it was, it was weaker than like a piece of three quarter ply, uh, where you have this, this, um, man, I'm tripping on my words. Now you, you threw that words are hard on me. (laughs) So anyway, um, okay. So I I know where you're going with this. Okay. So yes. Yes, 100%. If you're going to if you can, go ahead, use a hardwood. That that was going to last you a lot longer mm-hmm. and hold up a lot better than using a cheaper, you know, MDF plywood. Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, be my guest. But the way their clamp system works is you get pressure from both sides and it's a dovetail. So unless you're ripping something off the table or like something crazy, I I can't see in in that lasting a while. Everything I have it is in, you know, plywood, mm-hmm. uh, three-quarter ply. I don't really have any issues with it whatsoever. I mean, I've been using it, you know, the top of the dovetail, the very edge. I might get a little splintering here and there, mm-hmm. but that's it. And for me, it, it's a jig. It's a table. It's meant to be used. Yep. It's going to get abused. Yeah, you know, it'd be nice if it looked pretty, but 
No, I, I, I'm going to use it. I'm going to. It's, it's like a mallet. Mm-hmm. I love how those mallets turned out. I love how my mallet is. You know, the first time I was using it, I'm like, oh, I'm, this is probably going to dent. This is going to. Wait a minute. This is a tool. Yeah. I, I've talked about this before. You can make a sharp look really good and spend a whole lot of money mm-hmm. doing it. Or you could just be logical. Yeah. Okay. So I, I made most of my jigs from the mattress system out of plywood. If something blows out or doesn't work, I have the bit. I'll just redo it. So that was a long answer to your very short question. But uh, in my experience, three-quarter ply would work perfect for mostly what you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. MDF would work as well. I, it, it might not hold up as long. The, I mean, on the miter saw cart, the main thing that it would be used for is stop locks. For that purpose, it should work fine. Yeah, so you're not putting, you know, you're not hand planing on it. You're not using anything that's going to be forcing uh, uh, or putting any force on it uh, where it's going to want to move or um, you're going to knock into it. It's literally just to hold down a piece of wood so that I know where my cut's going to be repeatedly. Um, But that's, you know, down the road once I get the the cart finally finished. Um, I'm also thinking of using the match fit to make a new joiner um, jig for the table saw. Cause I currently have one with the regular, I, they're like red handled. Uh, I don't even know what they're called, but they're little clamps. You, you've seen them on Amazon. That's what I had when it, my first one, you have a little bit of a riser block mm. and then you have these little clamps that are like spring loaded yep. You push them down and they hold the piece and then you, you do your cut. But I got rid of that because a, it was hard to store especially mm-hmm. the way I store mine. And with the match fit system, it's completely flat when I take out the, the mm. actual the dovetail clamps. So that thing can literally go anywhere and store anywhere. Yeah. It doesn't take up much room. Three quarters. Yeah. I'm, I, I have a hard time storing mine because I it constantly gets moved around the shop because I just lean it against my air compressor. I lean it against that wall, this wall. So once I get the French cleat wall all done, and a lot of stuff is off the bottom of my bench, I'll be able to store it under there. You know, that's the hopes in this upcoming um, weeks. Um, But I'm looking forward to doing a match fit because I want that versatility because my joiner sled is one dimension and I built it for two by fours because I use two by fours for my flags. So I'm going to continue to use that because I know this it's sized right for what I use it for. Um, mm-hmm. the match fit would be nice if I have a smaller slab and I want to rip an edge off of it and don't want to take out the, the track saw, you know, maybe it's too small for the track saw, but just right for the table saw. Now I'll be able to use it, um, with the match fit. I was also thinking like you did with your, um, cross cut sled to put something in there because I, since I'm new to cross cuts, uh, on, on a sled, um, your fingers are kind of close to the blade on some cuts. Mm-hmm. You know, I try keeping my hands away, you know, in all safe areas and I'm, I'm far enough away. So I'm not putting myself in any danger, but I'm thinking I'm trying to hold the sled while holding the piece. Well, why don't I have something else hold the piece while I hold the sled? And it's just a safety thing. One, my hands will be away. And two, I won't have to worry about God forbid that piece, you know, got kicked away. I won't have to worry about my hands being there. And, you know, whatnot. So I like that idea of it. And with the match fit, you can move those clamps any which way you want. You're not dedicated to where that clamp is screwed down, like those little spring clamps that we were talking about. 
So match fits yeah. definitely in in the future. Um, I I still can't pull the trigger on it. I I don't know why. You have to, man. Like I remember, I was in the same boat. I kept seeing it, kept seeing it. And I'm like, what benefit would this bring to my mm. shop? I bought the kit. Um, I think it comes with two or four dovetail clamps. It comes with um, it comes with two, and it comes with some um, uh, jigs. I think it comes man, with the they bit too. Yeah, it comes with a bit. It comes with a um, little oh. uh, jig to basically measure the uh, the bit and uh, you know determine you know the depth of it. Mm-hmm. And then they also come with these uh, little green things yep. that you can make jigs with. Um, I forget the actual nomenclature for them, so I apologize. You can make all types of jigs with. You can make fences with them. You can make AJ's looking it up. <laughs> He's our tech guy. <laughs> so if you hear me. Uh- um, they're called – they're just actually called um, Match Fit Dovetail Hardware Variety Pack. That comes with all those okay. little green ones. Yeah. So it, this this kit comes with all this stuff. And honestly, you can make uh, all, pretty much anything with these things. And you can do glue-ups if you do a, a, you know, a table with them. You can – it's limited to your imagination because, imagination. you know, with the table I have – <laughs> imagination <laughs> anyway but basically it's limited to that because you can basically create anything with them and they have free plans you know on their site that you can follow to a t if you're that kind of person aj <clears throat> and it really opens up your shop to a bunch of capability mm-hmm. um i honestly don't know how i operated before i bought these i do know i had nowhere to clamp anything <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, but uh, this is truly one thing I do believe in. And if you don't have them in your shop, you should because it will definitely open up a whole new avenue for you, and they're worth the money tenfold. Now I am looking on Amazon right now. The one um, that comes with the green things, um, the bit, it comes with a lot of stuff. They're on Amazon for about 90 bucks. Yeah, I think I bought mine for about 80 but that was at the woodworking show that we went to. Oh, yeah. You know, they're, they're already talking about the um, date for that for next year, so I'm looking forward to that again. That was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it, you know, it was the first one I went to. Uh, yeah, it's 85 bucks, man. Yeah, yeah. Dove, uh, match fit, dove joke. Oh, yeah, anyway, it was the first uh, one I ever went to, and it was like a, I was in a candy store. Mm-hmm. There was just so much I wanted to bring home with me, but uh, out of that entire thing, that's what I brought home, and it was worth every penny. Yeah, they. Um, I, I mean, I think you don't have to necessarily get their dovetail bit, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Um, I can't speak to that. Okay. I thought maybe um, you used your Because when own. I got the kit... When I got the kit, I got their bit. Yep, yep. And then I actually went and bought the quarter uh, shank bit mm-hmm. off their site when I bought some. I actually got it for free. They had a deal where you buy like two clamps and you get a free bit. Nice. So I got that too. So I have both. I don't have to, you know, take out my monster, you know, craftsman rotter to do any of these. I can use my palm basically create any of these jigs. In fact, that's what I did for my crosscut sled is – I was like, the same instance, my fingers are going to get too close to the blade for my liking. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anything in place when I built it to, you know, add any kind of clamps on any kind of track. And I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> I have a bit. I just ran it against the fence and then I threw a clamp in there and it held what I needed to cut. And 
my fingers were safe. And it was easy enough to twist, lift up, put a new piece in there, and continue. Okay. I am reading that it is compatible with any 14-degree dovetail router bit. So even if you didn't want to buy the whole kit for 85, they do have the clamps for 45 on um, on Amazon. And if you do have the correct size bit, then you can use them as well. So just a little cheaper option than buying you know, the whole kit. And it might even sway somebody yeah. to buying it because it's a little bit cheaper. Um, I do like those little green pieces that they were talking about because you can use those in, um, as stop lock holders. So you don't have the big yeah, clamp. Absolutely. Um, I actually, sorry to interrupt no. you, but um, I really want to almost reconfigure my uh, meter saw station to incorporate the match fit system because the way I have my... Um, my stop block is I have a T-track sitting on top of some mm-hmm. three-quarter, and I have a tape measure in there, and I'm very limited on like how close I can get to that blade because of that. So if I, I have it set up so I can still do my 45s and everything, and I can only get so close before I want to lower the actual um, the blade. Mm-hmm. It hits my stop block and my T-block. Yep. So... Sometime in the future, there's a lot of future projects I mentioned, but uh, I do plan on, you know, recreating that and uh, utilizing the match fit system there because and you're at a perfect spot to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I, I don't have anything right now. Yeah, I mean, like, I would definitely go that that road and go ahead and incorporate that. And that way, you really don't need a tall fence. You just need some, some reference. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't even thinking doing a fence. I was thinking of just doing a dovetail and I'm um, a dovetail route and then doing a stop block with like a um a tape or markings and then yeah. just moving it along the flat surface. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't remember. Josh has a lot Josh of planes flying over his house. Um, but I I have a fence because I wanted uh a, you know something I could reference off from. Mm-hmm. And it's coming handy, and I definitely would do a fence, but maybe not as high. I forget how high I did mine. Granted, I like the way I did it. It works perfect, but it does definitely have um, – it could be redesigned better. And, you know, uh, that's far in the future for for sure. But uh, Man, yeah. I wish I could have um, – you were talking about your miter saw station, and I, I really wish that – how can I put this? I love the way my shop is set up. I wish I had it reconfigured differently so that I can have a dedicated miter saw station and never have to worry about it. See, I made a conscious decision to, I took away some working space to create that. Mm -hmm. Like I used to have it on a flip top, one of my uh, movable carts. And then I didn't want it to get out of alignment because of the movement of that. Makes sense. And I wanted to have a stop block associated with it. I wanted to have a place that I could throw it up there, make repeatable cuts. And to be fair, that saved me a lot of time in the past and still does. Yeah, I did sacrifice some space for that. But if you look at how I did it, my miter station, I have it so that I use scrap to build it because that's what I had on hand. And I have little coveys underneath it Mm -hmm. so I can actually store stuff. So, yeah, I might have lost some workable area, but I still have places to store stuff in that area. I could definitely redesign that to, you know, 
work better. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for now, I don't need to rework it. It's working fine. And, you know, I have some dust collection associated with it as well. And I like to do a little bit more to collect a little bit more <laughs> of that dust. But uh, it's good f- for where I'm at at the moment. No, it definitely – that would be something that I would have to literally revamp the whole shop. Because my dust collection is hard piped, um, and where it's at is exactly where I would want the um, miter saw station. But I'd have to lose my kind of do-it-all bench, which wouldn't be a terrible thing, but it is nice to be able to not worry about if I get glue on it, if I spill some oil, some whatever on it. But you're going to do an Alfie table um, torque tor- to- box. To torsion box. Torsion box. Wow. Words are really hard today. Um, in the future, uh-huh. and that could be your like do it all station as well. You can even throw in some of the micro jig, uh, you know, dovetail tracks in there. And then you can take your table and turn that into your miter station. You're 100% correct. Um, with my level of OCD, it would probably kill me if I ever got like, if I made a torsion box that was actually dead flat, perfect the way I wanted it to. And I, let's just say I had my chainsaw and I had to re, you know, fix something on it. It would kill me to get oil on that because not only would it ruin it for me, it would then, you know, then the oil might get transferred to a project and then this, that, the other thing. Put a finish on there. Put put something on there that, you know, will limit the exposure to anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. You're making me think. I mean, like, there's ways to go around that. I mean, like, honestly, if I had a house like you do, and then I had permanent, you know, shot fixtures, I would definitely be putting some kind of finish on there mm-hmm. to basically alleviate glue, glue up mess and any kind of oils or anything. I can just clean up because yeah. then all your surfaces are easily cleaned. <laughs> They're not going to collect as much dust. They're not going to collect the oils or anything else. No, it makes sense. It really, really does. I mean, that would definitely be further down the road. I would have to move everything out of the shop and then start from scratch. Um, for right now, my miter cart kind of lives where my old one did. It sucks because it's too close to my garage door, and um, I do have dust collection hooked up to it. So it, I can't move it like you know directly in the center of my shop because I'm limited by the hose. Um but it works for what I needed to right now. Maybe later on down the road, if I decide to revamp everything, I, I definitely would make a miter station. So it's it's dedicated. Um, yeah. I think I'm, in my brain, I said, well, if I never need to just move everything out, I can. Because, you know, the bandsaw is on wheels, the miter station's on wheels, the table saw is on wheels, and the outfeed table's on wheels. The only thing that's not on wheels is mm, the drill press and the bench, the the do it all bench. So, hmm. okay. So I definitely, you know, that's definitely, we, we went way beyond the jigs, but it definitely, the match fit fit into every single thing we were just talking about. And yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about it on top of the bench I have now. I was thinking about doing even just a few dovetails just to hold pieces, you know, if I'm routing the edge, because sometimes you don't want to clamp something that hangs off the edge. You don't want that piece to be hanging. You actually want to clamp it down on top of your bench. Well, you can't get one of those trigger clamps on there. Um, so how else are you going to do it? You could put something of 
heavy weight on it, but you don't want to do that. So a match fit would work out perfectly for that application. Um, one real, real quick thing. Have you ever ran into the issue of the, the dovetails collecting a lot of dust and in, and hindering you from the use of the clamp? Yeah. I mean, if you allow dust to settle in there and build up, it's obviously not going to be able to push the clamp through. Um, for the most part, even a little bit, I could push the clamp through no problem. Okay. Um, especially if you put anything kind of like a, a kind of wax or mm-hmm. any kind of finish down, that would help that out, which I plan on doing someday, but haven't got around to it. <laughs> But um, I, I when I get done with like any kind of sanding or anything on that surface, I just blow it off mm. or I take my vacuum, clean it up. It doesn't take that long. I mean, like it's a whole workbench surface. It's like uh, maybe two, uh, two and a half by four. I mean, like it's 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 definitely a, a surface, and I have um, dog holes in them, um, and. You know, they're not, they're not all the way through. So I got to clean those out eventually, mm. you know, here and there too. But I mean, it's a workable surface. I'm actually going to go back and I think I'm going to put a couple all the way through. That way I can run up the clamp through the uh, top of it and a whole new system. I can run through that as well. Why didn't you do them all the way through? I saw tools underneath and I didn't want them to get totally caked and sawdust. Makes but, sense. uh, when I do any kind of um, sanding or anything on that surface anyway, they get totally caked in sawdust. So <laughs> you can, I might as well. You can sand in the next county and somehow your tools, you'd come home and your tools would be covered in sawdust. Yeah, I'm that kind of person that walks into a clean room that's totally white and walks out dirty. <laughs> so, I mean, like, when I go to the workshop, there's sawdust everywhere. Yeah. I, I mean, I try to keep clean. I got dust collection. But... uh it's just you can't get rid of this stuff. It's everywhere. Yeah, that's why we're in the Sawdust Nation because it's literally everywhere. I don't know how to follow that one up. I really don't. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll real quick talk about my uh, jigs because I've talked a lot during this episode, um, and I know your cat definitely wants to take my position at this point. Nah, she's busy doing something else, like staring at the window or she's something. Do, she's doing she's doing her own woodshop podcast. She has more listens than we do. She has like a <laughs> hundred thousand downloads, and she's only on episode two. Yeah, that sounds about right. She's like mousy in the woodshop talk. <laughs> anyway, and uh, yeah, so my my getting jiggy with it would be I got. A crosscut sled that I just made, uh, very first one, and the only problem with it is the walnut runners that I put on it are too. They when I positioned them, they were positioned. Uh, actually, they were cut a tiny bit too thin, or I'm sorry, too narrow. So they have a little slap in them. Um, so the I have to take them off. They're just held on with some star bond. I'm hoping that I can just get like a little knife under there and kind of crack it off. Hopefully, I don't crack the runner. That's the only thing I kind of got to do with it. It is square. I checked it a thousand and one times when I built it. Um, Did you use the five cut method? Nope. I used the cut once and it looks square. So I kept on going. <laughs> um, so there, I, you probably have seen it. It's a five cut method. You take a piece of wood, you, five cuts on it, mm-hmm. and then you measure the difference and you can see how far off square your cut is to the fence through a distance. Yep. I've seen that done on um, calibrating a miter saw. So, uh, but I have not done it. 
So, I mean, hmm, okay. I was just curious. I would like to because no judgment's here. I'm not judging you silently or anything. Don't worry about no, it. it's perfectly fine. You're more than welcome to, 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 um, counteract this is going to kind of go against sacrilege this is going to be like sacrilege on on crosscut sleds and people who are like really heavy into them are probably going to feel it in their chest but i used my crosscut sled and used my table saw fence to actually hold it to, i favored one side of the t-track that's in there or not t-track the um miter slot um since it has a little slop side to side i just Put just enough pressure just to hold the ta- the crosscut sled so it didn't move on me like like it wiggled. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You capiche? I capiche, but I would go back and fix that before you run into some issues. Yes, yes. Well, I needed it. That's a horrible accent. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is. It is. I needed it in the moment, so I had to do it. And um, but I'm thinking just to cure my problem i'm gonna just move the runner over or make new runners that are the correct width i would go ahead and do that um that's another future build i say this a lot that i really want to go and make like the ultimate cross cut sled mm-hmm. um in fact izzy swan um i'm sure you know who that is <laughs> um he actually builds a little runner uh, table that goes in front of the Dewalt uh, table saws. So I don't have much space between my blade and the front. So when I do my sled, I actually kind of like have to hold it up. Mm-hmm. And which I don't like. It doesn't give me that warm fuzzy. So he built this little thing that clamps on to your fence, lines up with your actual uh, T-slot, and it gives you that extra space so you can go back mm-hmm. and then push it. So, you know, ingenious. So I picked one of those up. I'm waiting for it to arrive. And I'm really hoping that it's going – that's one of the reasons. I know i kind of off-shooting here, but um, it's one of the reasons I haven't made many jigs because with my cross-cut sled as is, it, I don't have like that – was it the T-fence mm-hmm. that you have? I don't have that. It, it's – I don't have much of a fence as is. I don't have much room to work with. And some of these jigs rely on that T-fence. Some of those rely on that space between – um, the edge and your actual blade. Mm-hmm. And as is, I feel unsafe with the way my, you know, very simple crosscut sled is. It's been holding me back a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go ahead and buy another table saw because this one works just fine for what I'm doing right now. Um, but yeah, I picked that up. I'm really hoping that changes the game a little bit so I can start doing, you know, you know, different, uh, different jigs that will help me out in the workshop. But, uh, yeah, if, you know, actually, I think he makes one for um, Saw Stuff, too. Yeah, I saw it in a a couple previous videos um, that he did. And it's a really, really neat idea. I I like it. Um, Ingenious, definitely. Um, But it, it would, I think your application would definitely be better because you have such a limited space from the front, from the tip of the blade to the front of the table saw. That's kind of what held me back from buying one. I hear really great things about that DeWalt table saw. A lot of people have it. A lot of people use it. And a lot of people like it. Um, yeah. I wanted something that I didn't have to um, worry about. So that's kind of why I just went the route that I went with the rigid. Um, but 
if you can extend that front section and it's, you know, dead level and it's safe, then go for it. I, I can't wait to see what it is because I'm, I'm curious on how big it is. I'm curious on how it latches onto it. Um, it's going to be really neat seeing it in, in your shop. Now, here's one thing. You're limited with space. How far out does it stick? And is it easily removable? Yeah, it basically clamps on uh, through pressure. And it doesn't stick out that much far further than what my you know table saw does now. But just the way it's designed is it has the T-track go back further than the entire piece. I'm trying to pull it up now so I can actually um, not show you, but describe it better and what he calls it. It's the in-feed table for Dewalt table saws. Uh, the unit price is about 50 bucks. You can buy them right on his site. And um, basically, it's like oh, a yeah, okay. almost like a teardrop. So like the, the actual T-track goes back further and then it kind of like teardrops in and clamps underneath mm-hmm. onto your actual um, where your um, fence rides. Yep, it's ingenious. Like I, I really wish I would have thought of this, but he's mass producing these things and great maker. I'm gonna go ahead. And just I picked it up, and hopefully that gives me a little bit more confidence and a little bit more space. And I, if I find this thing is working, which I'm sure it does, I'm gonna go back. And I'm definitely going to make myself a new crosscut sled. It's going to be a lot nicer than I currently do. And I can only hope that you can guess which system is going to be incorporated into that sled. Um, the semi-fit dog hole box joint clamps. Okay, you're out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, the Michael Jig match fit system. He knows that. He's giving me that look. But uh, yeah, man. It is definitely worth your while to check that out. All right. I, yeah, I, th- I actually thought it was a little bit uh, different than the saw stop one. So that's why I asked you how far it stuck out. Was it easily removable? Um, I don't remember the dimensions for it, but it's exactly the same as the saw stop. Mm-hmm. It literally just made for the D-bolt, the different dimensions. It's, it's really, really cool. And I even see that he has an outfeed table for the DeWalt saws. Um, if you didn't have an outfeed, you can get one of those and it adds that little bit extra that you need. So the piece doesn't just flop right off of the, uh, the table saw. Absolutely. Like I actually saw that and I'm like, you know, I could have definitely used that in the beginning, but you know, the system I have in place, it works perfectly fine for what I'm using. And I had the T slots and that drop down piece. And you know, when I'm not using it, it drops down all the way. And it also, you know, it holds my logo and, extra work service because it holds like 300 pounds or something i it's a pretty cool idea i he has a lot of really cool stuff because i just came across the table saw sawmill jig i don't know if Mm -hmm. you that's really cool yeah like i had to limit myself i went straight to his page i bought what i needed and i backed out real quick because i would have been there buying almost everything he has because great maker and he's just ingenious when he comes up with some of the stuff he does yeah that's that's really really cool though. Match fit definitely the way to go. I'm excited to get my own. They're in my Amazon cart, so I'm thinking probably in the next couple days I'll probably order it and then um, add a few here and there. I'm thinking my very first ad would be maybe just a quick run on top of my outfit table just so I have an extra clamping surface, um, mm-hmm. and then. Uh, 
uh, down the road, you know, I would redo it and, and, you know, do the outfeed table the way I want to add that. So I have extra clamps, um, add it to the, what is it called? I can't even think the miter cart station. So there's a lot yeah. of versatility for it. And, um, I'm definitely looking forward to ordering my own, making my own jigs with it and seeing how well they work and seeing what the hype is about. Cause I mean, you see them all over the place. Um, and the one thing that I like about it is it's not a T track where now you have to route in, you have to now set the T track. It's, it's kind of a one step. You route the dovetail and you're done. That's it. Yeah. So, and it's so simple to do. Like, Honestly, all you need is a straight edge. You can use your um, your track from your track saw. And then we talked about this before. If you know the dimensions, you don't even need to know the dimensions. If you're just running a couple of tracks through, you can just go ahead and throw them together. Did you ever see, because this was early, early, early on um, in my very long woodworking career. That was a year long. Um, <laughs> I saw this router straight edge. And what the maker did was it was actually with a piano hinge. So they had a section of it. Yes. Three by three customs has done it as well. That's who I saw. Thank you. I really want to make one of those because it was, it, it was a great idea because you have the piece that folded down. That's the exact distance from the center of your bit to the edge of your router. So you flop it down, you mark your straight edge, you flop it back up. And now when you put your router against it, you are the exact distance from the straight, the edge of the straight edge to your routing area. So there's no kind of yeah. no guessing in it. Um, I really, really like that. And I have to look back on their, you know, the video for it. And um, just, I just have to make one because I know if I say I'll eventually make one, I'll uh, never make it. Well, I mean, like eventually we, we want to do a lot to the shops and, you know, improve our jigs, improve this, that, and the other thing. But you know, it's in between all the rest of the stuff we do. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, we've talked about this before, but uh, I tried to incorporate some of the shop time to create some of these jigs here and there. Mm -hmm. Another plane. <laughs> I think uh, we're just going to go along with it. Yeah. I mean, like, it's being part of military base for you. We're flying but, uh, high today, people. Yeah. Get it? Um, yeah. Whoa. Like I would. But, uh, <laughs> oh my god the dad jokes are hardcore tonight ah uh, you know both exhausted from the week prior but uh we're gonna go ahead and wrap this one up and uh you know sorry it ran so long and everything else nah, but uh this is perfect yeah well since we're wrapping it you know we we didn't have any questions this week um if you want to send us a question you can dm myself aj over at crafted and nj you can DM Josh over at North Country Woodworking, or you can even DM the uh, – I almost said the Crafted in New Jersey page. <laughs> you, can, <laughs> you can also DM the Sawdust Nation page at Sawdust Nation Podcast on Instagram. Um, we enjoy hearing your voices, so send us a voice recording. Um, if you don't want to have your voice you know, played over the air, send us it in writing. Um, you can also email us at sawdustnationpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I don't – oh, that looked – if, if you could see what Josh just drew, I had no <laughs> idea what it was. It's an Apple, people. But check us out on Apple Podcasts. And while you're at that – while you're at there, yes, while you're there, write a review. Um, you know, 
tell us what you think about the podcast. Um, you can put your name down. You can write, you know, biggest fan number one, um, Josh's cat. It doesn't matter. You, you know, whatever you want to put down, just leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Um, and then send us your questions. We really, really enjoy hearing from you guys. Um, we really like answering all the questions that we do get sent. Um, you know, it's just a different perspective on it. Then, you know, instead of us just ranting and raving about what's going on in our shop, we can actually talk about, you know, what's, what's going on in the community. What, um, you know, just answer any kind of questions you might have. So, but yeah, send us a DM, send us an email. You can even send a carrier pigeon with a little bottle tied to its, uh, or a little <laughs> note tied to its leg. Yeah. In all reality, I mean, we love to hear that feedback, but your ratings help us mm-hmm. spread the Sawdust Nation. And, you know, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, if they're into woodworking or any, you know, any kind of making, because, you know, we both do 3D printing. We, you know, AJ has a CNC, I have a laser. I mean, we do a whole bunch of stuff. You know, spread the word. Let them know. Let's uh, spread the Sawdust Nation. Let's incorporate everybody and get the word out there. Well, until next time, go make some sawdust. Sawdust Nation out. See ya. See ya. It was fine. <laughs> we got Pinocchio over here. Ooh.